You are listening to the Simple Self-Care Podcast, your weekly nudge to take good care. I'm your host, Randy Kay. Welcome to the lovely month of June. And for most of you listening, it is officially summertime. In honor of greener landscapes and warmer weather, this week's podcast is all about the magic of nature and how it can be a powerful healing tool for us all. I was able to sweet talk the wonderfully inspiring Ruth Allen from White Peak Wellbeing to chat with me about her experience with the outdoors and her outdoor therapy practice in the UK. Ruth is an indoor and outdoor counselor and coach that focuses on personal and business development. She's another incredible woman I discovered through the magic of Instagram. I came across her gorgeous account years ago and really enjoyed her nature photography and her thoughtful approach to using nature to heal. And I finally got up the courage to introduce myself and ask her on the podcast. And she said yes. And chatting with her, it just felt like being reunited with an old friend. With her warmth and candidness coming through in this episode, I'm sure you will feel the same. But before we get into that, I just wanted to take a moment to mention that I've created a new way for us all to connect. I recently started a new Facebook group called the Simple Self-Care Circle as an extension of this podcast community. And I've been adding new members daily, and it's been so fun to not only put names and faces to you all, but to be able to relate and connect on a regular and more personable basis. And I'd love to see you over there. So just search Simple Self-Care Circle on Facebook and ask to join. Okay, back to Ruth. Take a listen and learn how to chill out to hear your inner voice, how to use nature to be more playful, the importance of silence, how to bring the outdoors in, balancing nature and technology, and how to honor and listen to the enticing call of the outside world. Enjoy. Feel like this is a really long story, and I'm trying to get it more elegant and shorter over time. <laughs> but, uh, I think, like a lot of a lot of the best things, it takes a long sort of circuitous route to get there, doesn't it? And uh-huh. I, um, I started off in, my, I suppose, my career, if you like, as a research geologist. I did a PhD in geology, and so I was all about the rocks, and I was all about the mountains, and I was all about. Uh, physical science I suppose um, but at the same time I was I was really interested in people and I was volunteering for uh, the Samaritans which I don't know if you have the equivalent in the states but in 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 the UK it's the biggest sort of charity supporting um, people in crisis and who are suicidal Mm-hmm. Um, so I was volunteering for them and I was working on the phones like the 24-hour crisis line and so I kind of I was doing these sort of two things that were really really different and I guess that was the beginning of the sort of the two strands of me if you like um, and then over time I moved away from geology and in and but stayed in higher education and I got into teaching development and um, and learning development and again, I was still interested in all this sort of um, supporting people in crisis. And then just over time, life happened, things happened, personal tragedies, you know, things that sort of, the kind of things that put your back against the wall, I suppose, and force you into a decision. And I decided that I wanted to go all in really and, and train as a counselor, a psychotherapist. Um, so I started on that journey and I stayed part time in my university job and I just kind of cut down the hours. And whilst I was still at university, I picked up my coaching qualifications and I was doing organizational coaching. So I guess it all just the threads started to come together. Geology was disappearing, but my love for mountains was staying and I was getting more people focused. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what how I got here. If if you were to ask me kind of what what am I or what do I do? I suppose. Yeah, I'm always playing with my Instagram handle on this. I'm like, 
what am I first and foremost? And <laughs> I think today and probably where my heart really is, is I'm a counselor, I'm a listener, I'm a psychotherapist, um, and then I'm a coach. And then I also do writing. I love to write about all the stuff I do. Um, I, I have a, a, a random um, esoteric MA in poetry as well. So I've got a real interest in writing um, and photography. So I, I kind of, all of these things come together. But first and foremost, I, I consider myself to be a counsellor now and, and an outdoor therapist, really, because that's my, my, my special area of interest is, is the outdoors. Yeah, I think that's really a wonderful uh, example of how everything you love can come together eventually. <laughs> and, every, <laughs> and every kind of path you choose to go down has purpose if you give yeah. it purpose. Because I know with a lot of people and even certain times in my own life, it's been like, well, that was a waste of time because I want to go do this now or what, who am I now? And what do I need to be forever? You know, like we want to have these, like, we want to decide, we want to know now. And, um, it's just been interesting, similar. I have so many different training, but somehow it's all coming together really beautifully. Like I had it planned the whole time, you know, (laughs) Yeah, you have to sort of trust in the in that process and and it's not something that you can see um whilst you're in it very easily and that that trusting that somehow it will come together and it and it's not by accident either so there's you kind of for me I was I was carrying it loosely in my you know in my in the sense of me that I had all these threads um kind of trying actively to pull them together but also not forcing it so that it felt really contrived and so that I was constantly kind of anxious about who I am and what I was but certainly I think that there came a point where I really had a battle on with my sense of identity and I was really fighting myself and I really had to sort of go through the dark times of who am I? What am I doing with my life? What do I want? You know, I was, I was working out of sync with my core values. I was, you know, I just, nothing really matched up. And I think that's when I thought these threads need to kind of come together faster than they are, or I need to kind of um, force, force that a little bit. Um, And I think that that, I don't know that, um, letting go of the idea that we live one sort of one precious life. We've got those kind of Pinterest quotes, don't we, around you have one life, what are you going to do with it? And I think it's okay to have, you live, you might have one physical life. You know, I I don't, my spirituality is probably not the question here, but (laughs) we have, we don't have necessarily more than one unit of time on the planet, but within that you're going to live many different lives. And I think, we're only it's only really our generation that are allowed to start um living within that truth because there's there's been this notion of a job for life of you know what are you going to do what what's your one burning passion and I think a lot of people are like I can't relate to that I've got more than one passion life is long there is no job for life anymore Um, and so once I'd given myself permission to do that I could start to have more of a fluid identity and think well who am I going to be now you know who am I going to be for the next 15 years or 10 years and not worry about 50. Right I think about it as this year. (laughs) Year. Who am I going to be this month? Uh, Yeah Yeah, just this um, day you know. (laughs) Exactly so when going back to some of your kind of those pivotal moments, what helped you navigate that decision-making process? Because I know when we can be kind of in our darker times, it's like paralyzing almost. So do you have any recommendations on, or or I guess your recipe for working through those times? I think I, oh, I think it's a real combination of sort of good old fashioned soul searching. <laughs> a good amount of of rumination you know I would spend a lot of time writing lists journaling um you know I have my laptop is full of lists of what am I good at what are my values what what do I not care about and and that's important what do you not care about Mm -hmm. (laughs) and what isn't that important to me after all 
Um, and I would do that a lot. I was writing a lot, you know, trying to sort of write it out and yet recognizing I was never going to. And I suppose beyond that, it was really making, it was a combination of doing that very actively and getting a bit overwrought with it, but then also going outside and just letting it be. And I think that oscillating between really working at it and also just finding time to decompress, to go outside and do what I love, loosen something in me. And, and, and I talk a lot now about the need to um, find some way to, to access your inner voice and to create a stillness within you that allows that voice to come through. Because I think when we're so anxious about what we're going to do in those pivotal moments, you don't let it breathe and you can't actually hear what your intuition is is kind of telling you or what you're being called to. And I and I couldn't really get to that until I sort of chilled out about it and, and, and went outside and I walked a lot. You know, I, I did a lot of pounding the ground really um, by myself. Um, and then I, you know, a real turning point was I, I crossed the Alps, the Swiss Alps on my own a couple in the, a couple of years ago and that time that physical journey time out to myself just to sort of think but also just to carry that quite lightly and just to move really allowed that inner voice to come out and I came back from that and I thought yes okay this is what I want to do I definitely want to retrain I want to focus on compassion I want to I want you know I want to do I want to do counseling um so it definitely is a combination of of that good old-fashioned rumination but getting outside mm -hmm. what do you think it is about the outdoors that allows that kind of revelation to happen oh I think it's I think it's I think it's ever-changing I think what nature does is ever-changing it's, it's got a way of you notice what you need to see I suppose you hook into what you need to feel and a lot of the time for me that's around getting perspective um because I spend a lot of time in the mountains it's really about being in a place that's bigger than me and mm. being reminded not in a not in a diminishing way like I'm not important my worries don't matter it's not it's not about that it's not taking away my voice or the or anyone else's it's just putting it back perhaps into a a truer place um so I think it's I think it's partly that and I think it's partly the endless continuation it's which again is about perspective I suppose it's that sense of life goes on and carries on around you and I find something particularly reassuring whenever I'm feeling stressed that I go out and I especially at this time of the year and you you hear the birds in the trees so much and I think you know they're just getting on with it they're just <laughs> there's other life there's other life and they're just tweeting away and they're just living their life and they don't know me and I'm walking underneath and they've no concept of really who I am um they're just they're just getting on with their bird life and I find that really settling maybe there's also something about the for me around the non-judgmentalness of uh, nature and you know you can go to a friend or you can go to you, you can go to any person or a family member or something and in some ways I think you people bring their own agenda or you know there's a tendency that that happens and I think when you go outside it's just there's nothing judgmental about it there's nothing it's not there for you it's not it's not invested in you you know we're a lot more invested in it <laughs> that way around and so nobody's looking at you and you can just I don't know you can just kind of let it all hang out whether that's like emotionally or <laughs> physically um and I yeah so it's all of these things I think it's just it just creates different types of spaces that you can tap into and get something from and I, I just think it never lets you down really yeah I remember this past time my recent trip to Joshua Tree and I'm out in this the desert in this really foreign landscape and you can see forever and there's you know like you see wildness forever and I remember mm. looking over to my friend and being like nothing else matters 
Mm. <laughs> and I don't know what I meant by that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that's just like the feeling that I got. Like I'll, I think I had left on the trip, like right after a really stressful time where I was caring about a lot of little things. And mm. it was like, all of a sudden it was exactly what you said. Like there, it, it just didn't matter anymore because like that, the rest of the world is what matters. The seasons, the cycles, working with the natural world, all the other living creatures, like that's what life actually is. And I think we get distracted by these, I mean, they're important human dynamics and relationships, but also a lot of the aspects of it don't necessarily matter or will be or will matter within a short period of time you know Mm, and it's very yeah we're very obviously we're very ecocentric but we I think going into nature is a way of pulling us out of the center of our sphere really it kind of puts it it puts us onto the edge of our own sphere if you like sometimes Mm -hmm. you know it's and I really I think that that's incredibly valuable and it in and it's multifaceted in how that works. What I also love is that it it instills in you, I think, a sense of playfulness, that it's okay to not take life so seriously because it's just going to keep going and the planet keeps turning. And, you know, th- there's that all of that life out there where you're not the center of it. And that takes a bit of pressure off and it enables you to be a bit more sort of playful about your life and just to think, you know what, this this doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm letting this go. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm taking this all so seriously. I'm taking myself so seriously. Life is short. You know, let's, let's just get on with it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's obviously not the case, but when you're talking about serious trauma or, or, you know, grief or, you know, when people are in a serious kind of depressive state, but for, for a lot of us at these times when it's just, okay, I need to let this stuff go. Um, I think that's really when nature can come into its own for everyone, really. Anyone can access that. It's incredibly democratic. It's, it doesn't, you know, everyone, thank God, has some sort of free access to the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Almost everyone. <laughs> yeah. So how do you incorporate that aspect of nature into your counseling and coaching work? So I'm, I think it, it's twofold, really. So on the one hand, there's the literally going outside and doing it. Um, and I think there's, there's a bit of a common misconception in a way that outdoor therapy, and it's not so much a misconception, but I don't think outdoor therapy has to be um, always done outdoors. So I work with some clients for whom they really want to, develop their relationship with the outdoors but they don't necessarily want to go out and actually do coaching or therapy outdoors but actually the process of of thinking about their themselves in relation to a bigger world out there and their environment they can do that inside and go and do that in their own lives so I think you know there's the there's the facet where I'm actually outdoors with people then there's bringing it into the coaching or the therapeutic relationship as as an idea and a concept and then there's the, um, I suppose, the dissemination of the ideas and, and my thinking around this, which is adding to a, a kind of a growing canon of information that's out there and research about the power of the outdoors and nature. And, and some of that some of that starts in your head before it's before you're ever outside. So it's a way of coming at something as well. I think it's a kind of um it's a way of appreciating our environment, which doesn't have to be done outside in the first instance. But I love saying that I absolutely love, um, I love doing work on the trail or doing it outside because it's just for me really brings alive the, the coaching or the counseling content. It just really intensifies it. I think what you can do in one session outdoors might take you weeks to get to indoors. Yeah. Can you, share any examples without you know breaching confidentiality but can you share of anything like types of breakthroughs that people have when they're outside that might not have have happened in a more traditional counseling atmosphere sure I think what outdoors is really good for is 
that sense of and this is something I work with a lot is that sense of lived metaphor so when you are outside and you're on a journey physically you are naturally invited to be on an internal journey and to be and in if you like counseling coaching it is a journey and I know that um you know the journey has become a bit can you know seem a bit of an overused word but so I think it's really powerful that when you're actually outside and you come to a place that maybe there's like a crossroads in a trail like there's a you know there's paths crossing or you get down that you you're in a woodland and a tree has kind of fallen across the path you can really work with that because people respond instinctively so they'll go so I've I've sort of seen it before where people will go oh isn't this just typical this tree in front of my path this just says everything about my life (laughs) (laughs) and and then you work with that or you get to these kind of these moments in the path where people are like oh I really want to go left and but I really maybe I should go right and oh and and you kind of leave that open you're like well we can go anywhere on this route we can you know we can walk for an hour but and you can then explore what that's about. So you, I think really the breakthroughs that people have outdoors are related to their directly to their sense of personal journey. It's that it's those change and boundary moments, I think, that are really interesting of that. Oh, OK, now what I really want to do is this. And um, I've kind of seen now that I can do that or I can't do that. So I think those are the sort of the breakthroughs that you see which because you've got that um that lived metaphor that's happening on the physical trail that's hard to replicate inside when you're just talking in metaphors you're not feeling it in your body in the same way you're not physically stepping over the tree or physically turning left rather than right which is you know you'll know as somebody who works with the body the body's kind of the embodiment of the feeling is really important yeah it is. People forget that their mind and their body is connected oh, yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah. kind of, we're like vessels that have a brain on the top. It's, 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 <laughs> although the body yeah. is just the vessel for carrying the kind of the mother load up in the brain. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, some people are really um, not aware of what's happening below their neck, really, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting hearing your um your experience because I think about my own relationship with nature and why I've come to love it so much and a big part of it is that it played a major role in healing my mental health like I dealt with depression for a really long time I mean it's always something that I manage um, but it's when I moved I grew up here in Fargo and then moved out to Utah um, in the Rocky Mountains. And mm-hmm. I remember when I started getting into rock climbing, it like gave my brain something to do besides mm-hmm. worry about myself and my issues. And I had to worry about not dying, like, <laughs> you know, like not falling. And I had to solve intricate problems with the moves that I was doing and how does my body, like, it was just all of a sudden my brain was taken to another place that wasn't this internal drama, you know, like we were kind of talking about before. And so it was like when I was outside, it just, I don't know, I was too busy focusing on more important things Mm. like navigating and being aware of bears and, you know, even the, (laughs) the dangers of the outdoors, which um, you know, they're there. I mean, you can learn how to feel very safe in nature, but like when you're backpacking in the back country, you have to be aware of certain things. And, um, it just was like, oh, I've got, I've got bigger things to think about. I'm not, I don't need to think about what this person thinks of me or this decision. Like it was just, it like changed my it felt like it changed my brain chemistry even. Yeah. And, um, and that's why I, I promote nature and continue to try to get people outside because even without purposefully thinking about it, purposefully making it a therapeutic experience, it just was. 
exactly yeah that that's and that's really what I love about it is because when I was getting into this work I wanted I didn't want to get into something where I was needed in a way I mean ultimately it would be great if you didn't have to treat sort of work with people in crisis or you know have clients in this way and I guess that's strange because it's kind of my livelihood but it's ultimately you know you don't want to get that call you want people to be well and I think nature is a really engaging with nature and having a kind of regular nature experience or outdoor experience is something that people can do for themselves so whilst there's always a space for having somebody with you whether that's a coach counselor facilitator it's also empowering to be able to go and get the therapeutic benefits of time outdoors and you're so right about the fact that it's nature at its best is wild and so you're not just um you're not just learning to stay cozy and to stay safe you're learning how to be on your growthful edge really and how to cope in the wild and I think that process of of literally physically coping with your <laughs> wild experience and staying alive is you can link that back you know from a therapeutic point of view from from my point of view as a practitioner you can bring that back into what does that tell me about coping in my everyday life you know and that's that's the kind of the process that's going on isn't it so there's a really strong tradition of wilderness experiences and outdoor uh, outward bound things that are they're not necessarily bad as therapeutic but they are uh, as therapy but they are therapeutic and it's that's the process of what's happening really you're getting out of yourself you're pushing yourself you're learning to survive you're 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 really sort of discovering that your capacity is greater than you thought um and it's so yeah it brings all of this all of it (laughs) yeah it's an empowering thing too because there's been times you know, when I, I went on a really uh, strenuous backpacking trip or did a really hard climb, and then I would go into my everyday life or my workplace and be like, I can handle this. This is <laughs> this is yeah. nothing compared to what I just went through, you know? Exactly. And so it's another way to create an empowering relationship with yourself. Yeah, and it's really it's really multifaceted in that way. And I think I always say to people, it's not about picking someone else's idea of of what what you should be doing outdoors therapeutically or what have you it's what is I talk about it in terms of what is your outdoors what is my outdoors and for me that's mountains for other people that'll be gardening for some people that'll be the seaside you know the coast or um you know climbing or running or or what have you there's always there's people tend to have a thing that they gravitate towards and I'm just a real advocate of you find your thing. That's about getting that awareness of why is this my thing? Why is this good for me? What has this done for me? And do more of it. <laughs> do more of that because, you know, some there isn't a great magic to this. It's about tapping into what works for you and feeling empowered to to do more of that and to not need to fit into somebody else's mold of what the what your outdoors should be like your outdoor experience and I guess this is where some of my work overlaps with like the adventure side of things and I I feel fairly skeptical sometimes of this idea of the outdoors is my playground and all these kind of and athleticism and um elite high achievement you know those things are great and they're for some people but for the probably for the majority you, you just want them to have a relationship with the outdoors that's meaningful to them yeah, there is this kind of go big or go home culture in a lot of things. I mean, I see it in the yoga world, especially. But when I lived out in Utah, I had really awesome but really hardcore friends that would want to hike the fastest and do the hardest climb and, you know, participate in these competitions and get sponsorships. Like I worked for REI and Backcountry and like, it was just like, I was entrenched in it, but like my way of being in nature was like, do, 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 look at that <laughs> yeah. bird, look at those flowers, you know? And yeah, I, yeah. I, know. I used to get really insecure going on trips with these people because I was like, do, why, why do they even want me along? Like, I'm just slowing everybody down and I don't care about those things. And then finally they were like, 
well, it's kind of nice having a slow person. So there's always somebody <laughs> slower than you. And I, I create space for people to calm down if they want to calm down. So, <laughs> so I guess nice. that became my role on these trips, but for a while, and then I embraced it and I was like, okay, yeah, this is good about me. Um, and then I didn't worry anymore, but it took me a while to be like, is it okay that I just yeah. want to leisurely hike? Is it okay? I think that's it. And yeah, is it okay? And that sense of, we need, as humans, we need permission <laughs> all the time. We need permission. And, right. and, you know, you have permission. You were born with permission. You, <laughs> nature is, is giving you permission. It's not, it, it's, it's just there. It's just doing its thing and you can engage or you can not engage, but you don't need to wait for somebody else's permission to do things your way and, or to find other like-minded people because they are out there. It's just that the narrative is so crowded with, um, that kind of elitism and, um, going faster and harder and you know we humans can ruin anything if we try can't we? <laughs> and we do we and really we do. <laughs> yeah we don't uh, need much of an excuse we just kind of plow it we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then we get to step back and reflect yeah. um so what would be your I don't know somebody listening to this and they're like yeah I want that experience like can you give a few examples of how people can experience it in the indoors and then maybe starter guides on getting outside a little bit more um I think well starting from outdoors so you so I suppose starting from this position of of taking some time to think about what it is that is your outdoors what's meaningful to you and that's sometimes you have to go through a process of sort of journaling that out and and thinking back in your past what has been helpful for you in getting headspace in um de-stressing in sort of emotion regulation if you like um and that that can all be done outdoors um and then obviously go out and do it a bit more go out and do whatever that is but then i think there's other things as well i mean i'm i'm really passionate about periods of silence and solitude um which are really important for my own practice and I know the extent that I am interested in it isn't going to be for everyone but I do think there's something about not being afraid to go outside to go outside alone sometimes and to 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 create the conditions that promote spaciousness where you can sort of hear that inner voice so you know anyone can get something from periods of quietness and stillness and solitude even if you're you know a proper card holding extrovert <laughs> it's um you can get something from it and that's and i think nature invites that and it's it time in nature is is beautiful because of its sort of quietness its inherent quietness or it's perhaps not necessarily even quietness it's non-verbal uh, emphasis so you can go out and there can be a lot of noise because you might have the wind or the rain or the birds but it's about kind of hushing that that verbal human noise um so i'd encourage people to do a bit of that to build that really into their practice um and i talk with with clients um or people who are, who are generally interested in a sort of a technique i suppose for trying to make the most of even if it's like 15 minutes walking commute or something of just around quietening down listening noticing what's going on around you and attending to the sort of the voice inside so there's a bit that's kind of meditative about that i suppose um so i, I sort of talk about that with with clients as something that's really useful um beyond that i think it's it's so personal i mean yeah by book a book an appointment <laughs> with an outdoor therapist or an outdoor coach and give that a try and that and i think that's a that can be a really great way of of learning about a bit about yourself and then perhaps you're you're up and running yourself um but just get out there and see i think there's something about just having the courage to um go and see what the outdoors does for you and not to be held back by am I fit enough am I fast enough um I think you know you just need to sort of take that 
into your control, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, baby steps if you need it. Yeah, I mean, it's all about outdoor therapy is so linked, I suppose, to the idea of movement and how fundamental movement is really. And it took me a really long time to understand that um, how important just physical body movement is to how we uh, are in the world, how we're connected, how we're connected to ourselves, how we're looking after ourselves, you know, to self-care. Um, you know, I thought I was just going outside and magic was happening. Um, and, and I didn't really have a full understanding about movement. And I think the problem is that movement has become very allied with exercise and fitness. But actually, when I talk about movement and talk about moving, I just mean in the very most basic sense, just to go out for a walk, just to get your limbs moving, because that's what we're designed for. And there's so much evidence that you know, now points to how our bodies are the ones that keep the score, especially in things like trauma and the importance of movement for things like depression. So I would encourage anyone just to just to go out and move. And one movement leads to another movement, leads to another movement. You know, you might get a bit of a taste for it. You might move a bit faster or a bit further next time or a bit, you know, it, it's just, it's about overcoming that inertia and just getting out, getting uh, kind of experiencing your body outside. And that doesn't have to be glamorous and Instagram worthy. It can just be <laughs> making sure that you walk for 15, 20 minutes a day. And to remember that that's, that's what our, uh, you know, that's, it's kind of what we're really good at doing. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so I suppose linked to that is I'm a, I'm a big fan at the moment of mindful walking, mindful hiking, which is is a lot of fun when you do that with people because it's really hard and you really you really notice how how much time you spend powering from a to b kind of mindlessly um and the power of really slowing that down and we went out yesterday on a hike in the peak district and you know an hour and a half of mindful walking is is hard work (laughs) (laughs) but it's but everyone sort of speaks to the power of it it's it's just becoming more aware of what your body's doing in relation to the earth what's going on around you um so if you can get out if people can get out and do a bit of get into a mindful space and just walk for a little bit I'd say that's just a great starter a really great cheap easy starter right yes we forget the simple things you know Mm. so that's what this podcast is all about simple (laughs) self-care it doesn't again we we humans like to overcomplicate and uh i don't know make everything bigger deals but sometimes it's just like yep just go outside and walk (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I, <laughs> yeah and people I, I kind of get asked a lot you know what what can people do what can they do and it's and I keep sort of saying and I know it sounds a bit of a cop-out I'm like well there's, there's no magic I think the, the trick is you just need to do it more and that's for so, mm-hmm. so many people have become um we we've become so domesticated you know our, our urban lives or even our rural lives are pretty urbanized they're, they're very domesticated and uh-huh. we um have lost just the, that simplicity of of just going outside with no real intention of just wandering of just appreciating the here and now the lived moment the um the experience of fully being in the present outdoors we've we've really lost something about that and so it is a very basic thing to do just to go out and uh, and walk, but better to do that and make a practice of that than to set your bar too high and want to become a champion climber within a year. You know, (laughs) it's, it's, it's for me, it's about making it, making nature and outdoors a deal breaking part of your life. It's not something you go and do, you know, there's always going to be events or activities you go and do, but that nature is just it is part of your life and I think you can only get that when you're prepared to invest in some sort of regularity and that's when you see the changes because I suppose a relationship with nature with the outdoors it's like a good friendship you know you're only going to get so much if you only dip in and out occasionally like you would with an acquaintance you might you might get a bit <laughs> but you're not going to get that long-term sustained um 
yeah engagement and relationship and attachment and and you're not going to get all the same things that you can get when you really invest your time and I think that's just the same with people as it is with nature so make it a practice if that's 15 minutes a day of walk commuting do it (laughs) yeah I love that um can you touch a little bit on balancing the your love for nature and being outside and you even you know on your own property have a garden and chickens and things but then also with the demands of being on a computer so with (laughs) Instagram with writing with working with your clients like where how do you find that balance oh so hard that's such a great question (laughs) I'm asking for myself (laughs) (laughs) that's a great question it is funny because I got into geology because I wanted to spend loads of time in the mountains and I realized I spent all my time looking down um down microscopes at thin sections of rocks and it wasn't it wasn't the passport to the mountains I'd hoped for and it's it's there's a danger that that's the way it continues to be even now so I spend so much time thinking and talking and feeling the outdoors and a lot of the time indoors I mean it's just you know it's there's that inevitability I haven't worked out yet where I can get a computer that's got a good enough screen that it isn't really reflective if I take it outdoors you know it doesn't the power doesn't last long enough I just I have to be indoors doing stuff um and it's hard because I I am I'm physically called I'm kind of I I have to be outdoors a high amount of the time and the more I'm outdoors the more I need to be so that's not to say I can't come in and rest I absolutely can but I always have that call in me. So I'm all, I'm always, I suppose, pulling to be outside and I just have to sort of think, well, you know, there's work that I want to do as well. There's things that are important to me. And right now I need to be indoors. So I, I suppose there's a lot of rationalization that goes on with that. But I also, when I changed career and went down this route, I sort of promised to myself that, yes, I'm called to this kind of, compassionate sort of livelihood yes I want to help bring this to other people and to and to sort of facilitate other people's healing I suppose but I also wanted to change my own life and make decisions um that would also you know improve my own life so I I resolved right from the beginning I'm not going to work every day of the week I'm probably not going to work Monday to Friday I'm going to take a huge financial hit and I'm going to make sure that there's always time that I can always get outside in the week because I was done with nine to five. <laughs> I was so ready, just, I, I, I wanted my time back. And so if I got into this now and all I did was fill my time up with clients or fill my time up with writing at the laptop or, you know, doing photo editing or writing, I just, I wouldn't, get what I got into this for really and yeah it's very much twofold it was to help other people and help myself which I think is is compassion really it's that that's that effort to alleviate your own suffering and others and so there's a key part of that which is around self-care and finding your own balance especially when you're working in empathy and compassion you you know you could really as I'm sure you completely appreciate you can burn out really quickly taking on other people's um difficulties and trauma um so it's really important that sometimes you know I'm just like okay I need to do that writing job or I need to do that photography or I need to pitch or I'm just you know I need to create that course um but actually I have to be outdoors more and I just I listen to that call I kind of take that seriously because I usually find if I go out and I just do that I will get more from it and it will calm me down and I can come back indoors ready to do the work I suppose yeah I think uh, that's great it's such a great reminder that you can't do everything and uh and doing everything isn't isn't good (laughs) you know like and being okay with like really getting clear on your values and your priorities and being like you know what being in the outdoors is more important to me than a certain kind of paycheck and what does that look like and how can I still get my needs met and like really standing up for for that I think that's that's huge 
Um, yeah, and I think a lot of people, when I sort of left my, um, you know, my respectable and worthy kind of career in higher education, a lot of people yeah. were perplexed and a lot of people were, there were a lot of people that were very ready to say, oh, you're so lucky. And I thought, yeah. I'm not lucky. It's just about choices. And, you know, it, there's, there's, there's a lot of sacrifice in, in getting what you want, ironically, mm-hmm. <laughs> or what you need. And, you know, I've, I have to sacrifice uh, on the paycheck. That's, that's the bottom line at the moment. Certainly it's the bottom line, but it's, but what I get back is my time, which means I get back my freedom. And when I've got back my freedom, anything's possible, you know, and I can, and I'm living in my purpose and I'm a happy soul now, whereas I used to have money. I had no time and I was always harassed about never, never doing enough. I could never do enough, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I, I somehow managed to balance a kind of an illust- illustration, little illustration business on the side and work full time and volunteered. Now I do half of that. I mean, I do less than half of that, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's the right stuff. It's the, it's the, it's a distillation uh, that gets to okay where do I really think the important work is and what can I just let go of well and the interesting let thing about that yeah and the interesting thing is that I mean you're actually going to like those that way of life is going to make you more successful in what you actually want to be doing because like if if I would have found you on Instagram and you would have been promoting those other things, I, we wouldn't be talking right now. You know, it was like, oh, yeah. she values nature. She values slowing down. She takes the time to write really thoughtful things. Like, yeah, I want to be a part of her world. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. you can find your people and and actually, you know, live how you want to live and do what you want to do by by being more authentic I guess yeah and I think there's there's a really big movement isn't there around slowing down the slow movement slow food slow fashion but I think the irony of it is which I'm sure so many people are aware of is how stressful it makes a lot of people in living the slow life because (laughs) I think there's you know there's it's about your intentions and what you really want and it's it's you're not going to get it genuinely by buying into the fad side of it. It's getting to the core of what that's really about. And that's about letting things go. It's about rationalizing the things that you don't need in your life. I mean, it's a lot of this is kind of gritty, grimy, not like glamorous work, like, like the work Mm -hmm. of self-care. It's not, um, it's, it's not as glamorous as it looks or sounds, but it's kind of, it's it's the vital stuff that you have to do so slowing down is the vital stuff it usually is precipitated by something bad happening or a kind of a life-changing moment Mm -hmm. and I think when you really slow down um you know it 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 shouldn't need to be stressful It, it a genuine slowing um just becomes part of really who you are and it's not about the the things that go along the side the peripherals of that it's an attitude it's a, it's, a, it's a genuine state of mind I think which mm-hmm. um, is worth cultivating yeah I mean I always teach that like real healing takes time and yeah. it's and it's a lifetime like if you're really going to shift on a deep level you have to allow that to actually happen there's no mm-hmm. quick fix to that kind of work and yeah. I think going into it with that expectation, um, I find it comforting because it kind of takes the pressure off needing to have it all figured out right now. And mm-hmm. knowing that the healing's never done, I don't know. I find that to be an optimistic thing. <laughs> I do as well. I mean, some people would be at incredibly depressed by this but I think that it's it's truthful it's real it's acknowledging that um it's all an unfolding process and I find that too very reassuring because there's it's not like well you've got one chance and then if you don't get it right you're done it's gonna gonna be your process and be curious about yourself you know in this life the world is full of people that are all also worried about themselves. If you're not going to be curious about your process and your healing, who is, you know, you've got a lifetime, you've got a lifetime in your own body to be Mm -hmm. curious about what's going on for you. Right. (laughs) 
and so engage with it and in, in in some ways kind of get something from that process try and enjoy parts of it enjoy the bits that aren't horrific you know mm-hmm. um and it's yeah. I, I i was talking recently about this um we can go through life thinking we know things and and you you know a lot of things and i think there's definitely different ways of knowing and you can know it in your head and it's when you really know it in your heart and make the connection with the truth of that so we all know that we have one life and we're going to die but it's only when you truly um sort of sit with that patiently and over time that you start to realize the profoundness of okay well what am i going to do then given this what am i you know what am i how am i going to use my life most purposefully or how am i going to get the most fulfillment or and so you know there's there's different ways of knowing and so investigating that over a length of time is really a powerful way just to engage with your life Mm -hmm. yeah I like that treating it as a as a curiosity as an Mm. investment and not as like a okay well I need to do this to get to this point you know and just letting it evolve um naturally so um so I guess I would love to hear your what your daily rhythm is like now. What has it kind of evolved to? What are your favorite acts of self-care? What does it look like on a daily, weekly? Okay. Um that's a good question. So I recently came back from um a Buddhist sort of silent mindfulness retreat. And so if you're asking me right now, um, my day usually starts with a period of sitting meditation. So I tend to, my husband gets up really early for work and he commutes and I tend to sort of lie around in a daze for at least an hour. And then I get up and, um, I do a sitting meditation before my head gets cluttered with, with all sorts of to do's. Um, and then I, I feed the animals. I go out and see the chickens. I talk to the chickens a little bit. I talk to the cats a little bit. I tend to do the chores, um, you know, tidy the house. I need to have a tidy house to get work done. That's it's more than procrastination. It's, you know, it's tidy house, tidy mind. It's, mm-hmm. I need to kind of clear the decks. Um, at the moment, I'm trying to make sure that I don't do any serious emailing or online work until midday because I'm trying to use the early slots of my days to be with myself be with the world be with be outside um just to and and to get other job get other work done that's um won't benefit from being distracted by flicking on my phone or what have you um and those, and then I will, you know, work through the jobs I need to do. And that's the days when I'm kind of here, but then at several times in the week, different days and, and all sorts of odds and ends of hours, I also have client work. So I'll go and see, um, I work out of the Matlock Therapy Centre, which is in the um, town down the road. That's where I have my private practice. Um, I also do voluntary therapy um, in an abuse service and a bereavement sort of hospice um so I'm really I'm flitting all over the place all the time and then I might you know if I'm doing an outdoor session I might meet someone in the peak district for something like that or so it's those are interspersed in the week and around the edge of that I'm I live a very sort of still and quiet life moving around between my laptop and the garden and the animals and using home I suppose as a quiet base between the client hours I suppose where where it's a lot more demanding so I come home and I kind of try and decompress really so I guess that's my rhythm it's um yeah does that make sense yeah have you always been more introverted and and slow moving or has that been an evolution um I've always been introverted yeah (laughs) I'm definitely um definitely definitely right on the um extreme of introvert it's funny because I love I love people and I love working with people, but I need to have boundary time for that. And I need to sort of come back to myself and that's where I refuel. But I've, I haven't been this slowed down forever. Certainly not. That's been 
that's been hard it's been hard work it's been necessary work it's been the work I wanted to do for about three years was to really take a step back because the story of the the sort of 30 odd years prior to that was just manic just do everything that I possibly can get all the qualifications I possibly can achieve what I possibly can outdoors I you know I I was exactly the person that <laughs> I worry about now really <laughs> and it was a conscious effort to slow down and but I get so much from that now um I suppose the 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 antidote to this, if you like, is the running I'm doing at the moment a lot for my Bosnia endurance challenge. But and that that satisfies that need to get out and sweat and and you know huff and puff and find it hard and swear at the universe. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I need I need to go out and have that, and then I can come back to slowness again. So it's mm-hmm. not like I don't have a pressure a release valve where I can go and be a bit angsty and a bit sort of um pent up and to sort of run it out but generally I try and keep things a lot more relaxed now um mm-hmm. yeah so that way. <laughs> yeah yeah I found that I'm extroverted but it, I can overdo it and so I've I've really come to love slowing down and like my pace now I would have never believed in like my mid-20s yeah. um, <laughs> but I really love it yeah <laughs> it becomes addictive somehow it does it's like oh, I don't have to worry about anything else <laughs> yeah and I but yeah like you I was I was just running around all over the place and you know that was great too and I think that's yeah. the it's not being you know, I don't judge anyone for that. And I don't think there's a right or wrong way. I just think you can, you can, you change, people change. And I, that worked for me in my twenties. And then I was ready for something else. And I was ready for, you know, in my twenties, I was pursuing ambition and, and I did want to achieve things and I wanted to make the money to buy my house and to, you know, that, that was my focus. But then I, 30s was definitely a time to say well okay I've I've achieved some of those things I've I've worked hard and there's been luck in there as well um there always is but now I'm ready to try something different so I think it's it's phases isn't it and it's there's no right or wrong it's just what suits you now and Mm -hmm. go with that definitely well how can people keep up with you and your wise words (laughs) how can they find you um, okay, so I theoretically I do uh, the nature letters, but I'm I'm so <laughs> slow with with the nature letters that it's embarrassing. You know, everyone no, else. No, <laughs> I like it. I'm on your list, and I I'm like, oh, there's a nature letter, and then oh, I dear. like I know that they come and go with the wind and so when they're here I'm like yay and so I kind of like that I like that it's unpredictable that's that's so generous I mean yeah yeah, they do come and go (laughs) they do come and go with the wind (laughs) such a lovely way of putting it you know I'm probably not going to encourage people to subscribe because they're probably going to be let down the best way (laughs) no no I love it the best way to get me, I guess, is to is to email me, um, uh, which is Ruth at whitepeatwellbeing dot com, or to contact me through my website, um, whitepeatwellbeing dot com, or my Instagram. I mean, my Instagram is kind of where is the hub of the activity, I suppose, and that's at whitepeak underscore Ruth, um, and that's, I guess the quickest sort of way I mean, I'm trying not to be on it all the time I try and be boundary with that but usually you know I am on there several times a day and can be contacted through there and that gives an insight into my my ideas and my way of thinking and you know I suppose if you don't if you see what you like if you like what you see rather on there then then you know you can get more from the website and if you just look at that and just go you know oh that's just so not me then <laughs> best, best not to go go for the nature letters which are kind of it gets a bit more intense there on in so um mm-hmm. yeah those are the main ways the nature letters are next level <laughs> hardcore lovers uh, <laughs> um and you can you do work with people one-on-one remotely I do yeah so I I guess mainly my um my private therapeutic practice is locally based but that's not um that doesn't have to be that way I do offer sort of um 
Skype or, or whatever alternatives there are. I do work internationally as well and coaching certainly works pretty well long distance. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm open to all sorts and I do organizational stuff as well. So I just, people get in touch and I'm like, yeah, what do you need? And how can, mm-hmm. you know, can we work with that? So cool. Very cool. And I'll link to all of this uh, on the show notes so people can click there and find you as Thank well. You. Oh, wow. So much wisdom in her words. But one of my favorite things she said was, if you're not going to be curious about your process and your healing, who is? Seriously, I've said it before and I'll say it again. You are your wisest healer. And if you don't stand up for it and make space for it and look your healing path in the face, who will? And if someone else will, how can you expect them to if you won't also do it yourself? Another thing I love about this convo is her simple approach to outdoor therapy of finding your own personal outdoors and embracing that on a daily level. That has been so incredibly healing for me and those that I've worked with as well. So be sure to follow Ruth on Instagram at whitepeak underscore Ruth and let her know what you loved about today's episode. And I'd love to see you over at the Simple Self Care Circle Facebook group to chat more about the healing power of the outdoors. And you can get the show notes for this episode over at naturallyrandyk.com slash podcast. That's naturally R-A-N-D-I-K-A-Y dot com slash podcast. Tune in next week as the self-care conversation continues, but until then, take good care and enjoy the journey.